welcome to The Observer Effect, a podcast of travel stories. Each week we hope to bring you a conversation with someone we meet overseas, and at least one good story. Episode 39, Like Someone Who is Thirsty, Mecca, where Haval performed the Umrah. Haval is one of my favorite Chicagoans. I've wanted to record his story for a long time. We finally sat down for a wide-ranging interview, and he told me at least four different journey stories that changed him profoundly, any of which I could have pulled for the title. It was his experience as an asylee from Iraq that I most wanted to share with you. Now. This week while our country tries to ban Iraqis. Haval became a citizen just in time. But I envy pilgrims, so that's the title I gave. The Umrah differs from the Hajj, one of the five pillars of Islam, in that you can do it any time of the year, but both mean going to Mecca. It commemorates Ibrahim, or Abraham. Haval shaved his head on that journey. That's actually what prompted me to speak to him for the first time in the halls of the school where we were colleagues. I noticed the change when he came back. I wanted to hear what internal change occurred. It is precisely for surprise that true education prepares us, wrote Ivan Illich, a Roman Catholic priest and one of the greatest teachers ever to have thought about what we learn in school. Can you describe what you look like? Do you mean physically or yeah. how you do you mean? Yeah. And, um, and start with this. Well, I, uh, I usually like to dress up. You know, I like uh, fashion. Um, um, I, just, I just enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. I am wearing a jacket and uh, gray uh, pants. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. you just said it's from Zara. Yes. It's very nice. Yes. Uh, yeah. and, uh, it's nicely folded handkerchief. Yes. You have in like a paisley design. Yes. yes Very yes. nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, mm-hmm. Excellent. And and what else? I, I always ask everyone to give a picture of themselves to my audience. Uh, I am. Um, to describe myself. I am uh, a very um, simple, kind person. Um, I, I enjoy life, I love learning languages, being around people, very social person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, but what do you look like? <laughs> <laughs> That's very hard question. <laughs> um, Have you ever described yourself before? No, no. <laughs> Me neither, until I did this project. <laughs> yeah, so what should I say? <laughs> um, you could describe it. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 it can't you, be me. You see me. <laughs> um, I don't know, I mean... <laughs> I'm really putting you on the spot here. <laughs> um, do you think about your appearance very much? Sometimes, yeah. I, I would say that your appearance is very careful. Yeah. You take care with your appearance. I do, I do, yes, I do. Why is that? Just to look nice, and also I am a, you know, I am a teacher, I go to class just to give a nice impression of my students because I feel like the physical, you know, appearance um, gives like 60 to 70 percent of who you are, your character. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's, that's in my culture, teachers, professors, they go to class, they are um, expected, you know, to at least dress up or look nice. Yeah. But, you know, in other cultures, um, people that don't really care, they can go to class with jeans or short but personally I like to you know to take care of myself and that's yeah shapes your character yeah 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 I mean not always but at least a little bit uh, yeah definitely yeah excellent uh, can you describe where we are right now uh, that's it here <laughs> we are at the um, Chicago uh, athletic Association. It's a very nice, um, uh, like a hotel and a coffee shop. It's um, very, um, uh, very nice place. The, the the music, the people, the fireplace. Um, 
I like I like um, the furniture, the design, everything. Yeah, very. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. It's very ornate, exactly, and detailed. Yeah. There's like exactly. floral yeah. patterns carved in the wood, and <laughs> fireplaces like eight feet tall. And yes, yes. A huge yeah, fire yeah. also. <laughs> it looks like an old church also. Yeah, um, that's a good description. Yeah. yeah, it's like a cathedral almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're meeting in Chicago, where we have met before, and I want to hear your story of how you ended up in Chicago. Uh, it's a very long, long story. <laughs> I, I will do my best to, you know, give you a brief description. Well, I am originally from um, Kurdistan of Iraq. Uh, that's north of Iraq. It's a region. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I am, I am from there, and. Uh, I came to this country as a student. Uh, I applied, and uh, the reason I came here because um, I worked with American military. Uh, there was an organization called Generation Iraq, mm -hmm. so I was a director of the office there in Kurdistan. And then, because of my affiliation with the U.S. Army, mm -hmm. um, I, uh, I was persecuted and you know tortured. Uh, by the uh, terrorist groups like Al Qaeda, mm -hmm. so I had to leave the country as soon as possible. So the only way uh, to get out Iraq uh, was to apply through the student. I mean, student visa was was the easiest. Yeah. So I applied, and the um, the organization, the main the main office, still is in Nashville, Tennessee. So mm -hmm. the woman I worked with, she helped me. Um, so basically. Um, there was a university in Kentucky it's called Murray State, where mm -hmm. I um, got my master's degree in TESOL. Mm -hmm. um, she um, she got she sent me an invitation letter, basically uh, something is called I-20. That's my visa, so mm -hmm. uh, so I could apply and came to the states. Mm. I did that. I went to Baghdad. There was an interview, very fast, and I got my visa. And uh, they knew that the situation was urgent. I believe Tamara, or the lady I, I worked with her at that time, she explained the situation that was urgent and I had to leave the country. So, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't wait that much. And How did you feel in the midst of all that when... It was um, terrible. Mm. Um, it was very hard to leave my family, uh, everyone. It was my first time ever uh, to travel. Really? Yeah, that was my first serious? time. Are you serious? That was my first time ever to travel and, and leave Iraq. Uh, you know, I was 26 when I came here, but 26 years I lived in Iraq with my family, went to school, university, and worked, you know, different jobs. I had different jobs as a teacher. I worked at the airport as a passport officer. I, um, I worked with this organization, Generation Iraq. Uh, it was... Um, Charity, you know, a non-profit organization. They helped kids, orphans, widows in Kurdistan. Yeah. The idea was um, to connect schools in Kurdistan with these schools in the United States mm -hmm. through the program. It's called Penpal. Yeah. So that's what I did. I connected the schools in Kurdistan with a lot of schools here. Actually, I think one of them was in Chicago and Connecticut and different states. Uh, so the kids in Kurdistan, they started um, exchanging letters and, you know, pictures, a lot of stuff. It was a very nice project for a long period of time. So I worked with that organization for almost, well, actually more than three years, mm -hmm. uh, 2006 to 2009. Mm -hmm. And then I left Iraq in 2009 because, like I said, with my uh, affiliation with the U.S. Army. And the, re the reason I got involved with the Army was because the schools in the United States, they had a lot of equipments like computers, uh, guitars, uh, projectors, um, a lot of stuff, even medical medical equipments. They wanted to send them to Kurdistan uh, as a donation. Yeah. But they were very heavy and very expensive to send them through just a regular um, uh, post office, you know, to mail them to Kurdistan. And then. Uh, my boss or the lady in, in, in Nashville, she said, I have an idea, we could do that through Army. Mm. It's called APO, that's Army Post Office. Uh, 
At that time, uh, there was a U.S. Uh, base in Soleimania, in Kurdistan. I think now they left. But at that time, uh, that was uh, during um, George W. Bush, uh, mm. before Obama came to office. Mm. I, I'm talking about 2006, 2009, yeah. because Obama uh, came to office in 2009. Yeah. So um, there was an American base in Kurdistan. Mm. And every month, I think twice a month, uh, they, they used to send food um, to the U.S. troops, right? Yeah. So food, I don't know, a lot of stuff uh, from here, from the U.S. to Kurdistan. And then we, we connected with them, with the army, I mean, Generation Iraq. They said, we have a lot of schools here in the U.S. that are willing to send um, many equipments to Kurdistan as a gift donation, yeah. but we need a post office if we could help. So that was very nice of them. It was free of charge. They, uh, they mailed everything from here, from the U.S., with the American, I mean, planes, the, the army, yeah. um, to Kurdistan. And I had to go to the base and pick them up wow. uh, and then distribute them among the schools. So I had to meet with the, uh, let's say, the directors or the managers of the schools, sometimes with the Minister of Education. You know, they have a list of the students, uh, the, the list of the schools that they are in need. Because some schools, they were private schools and they had everything. Um, we, we wanted to make sure the equipments, they go to the right person, the right school. Yeah. So uh, they had a list of the, student, uh, of the um, schools. Um, yeah, that's what I did for a period of three years. And then, you know, at that time, uh, the uh, terrorist groups, they knew that I would visit the base at least once or twice a month. And they saw me in the uh, American Humvees <laughs> with the army. Uh, they came after me. They put threat letters in my car. And actually, one day, I was distributing um, guitars among schools. They opened fire, so they wanted to basically kill me. So after that, I knew it was very serious, very dangerous. And uh, I decided to leave the country right away. I left everything, my car, my apartment, furniture, everything. I just gave the key to my dad, and I said, I'm leaving. I don't have time. So I came to the United States through student visa and then um, I took ESL classes as a student because it was a part of the visa you need to take classes mm. if you don't take the the, uh, the military did they help you uh, or someone did anyone help you get out yeah. well um, in Generation Iraq they contacted the Homeland Security yeah. they explained the situation yeah. that was very urgent for me so that was the reason I got the student visa very quickly, mm -hmm. I believe, because they knew yeah. it was uh, very dangerous. But no, they, they helped. Uh, I will explain. This is the next stage. They, the U.S., the US um, uh, let's say, um, officers, the military officers, they helped me by writing recommendation letters. Mm. Yeah. That was when I applied for political asylum. I see. So I was on a student visa for a year. Actually, it was three months, and then I extended. So I had to take classes. Mm. Otherwise, you become illegal. Yeah. Uh, then I couldn't afford it. I couldn't just pay and pay, and I don't need it because I had a you know BA in English language and literature. Yeah. And I didn't want to take English classes. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So. But the reason I did that because, you know, I didn't want to be undocumented because once yeah. you don't what, you don't take classes, you become undocumented, you become illegal. Yeah. So I stayed uh, in a city, uh, Murray, uh, Murray um, in Kentucky. It's a very small town, but it's beautiful, very um, uh, university town. The people are very friendly, very nice. So... Uh, I got to know a lot of people. I used to go to a church. Uh, it's called uh, First uh, Christian Church. I still have uh, contact with them. Yeah. Very nice people. Yeah. So they helped me, actually. They helped me um, to get uh, my um, uh, asylum. 
actually my asylum interview was here in Chicago. So the pastor of the church, her name was Pastor Ruth, with her husband. They um, they brought me here. So we drove from Kentucky to Chicago. My my interview was actually here in the downtown on La Salle Street. Yeah. So we. Um, uh, I was alone. I didn't have a lawyer, nothing. I just explained my situation just like right now. And, you know, they had everything in front of them, my case, my you know, paperwork, everything. And then the officer, uh, she granted me the asylum. We stayed here actually like three days with Pastor Ruth and, and her husband. So that's very nice of them. Um, yeah. Um, after then, uh, what else? Um, I stayed in this country for uh, almost eight years. I mean, till I went through the process, getting the green card, and then just recently, uh, I got my citizenship. Yeah. So, congratulations thank about you so that. Much. <laughs> uh, do you feel okay sharing all this information on in public, like? Can I release this? You don't feel, uh, you feel safe now, I mean, like... Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> this is a long time ago. Yeah. Do you feel like anyone is still after you? Um, not right now. That yeah. was uh, a while ago, yeah. many years ago. But, you know, things, uh, things have changed in, in Kurdistan. It's a lot safer right now. And you've been back? Yes. So you feel um, safe there, too? Yes, yes, yes. But, uh, um, wow, yeah. So can you talk about the process of getting your citizenship then? I know you had to, after a certain point, you had to stay here. You couldn't leave, right? Yes, you need to, you need to stay here for exactly three years, physically, without leaving. You could leave, let's say, I had a green card, you could go anywhere in the world except Iraq, except your country. Mm -hmm. You could go, let's say, for a vacation, but not more than two weeks, I think. That yeah. was the uh, uh, Department of State um, regulations yeah. uh, or Homeland Security. So I went a couple of times you know, to Jordan and Saudi Arabia to perform Umrah. I went to Istanbul in 2013 to meet my family, but uh, it was only two weeks or 10 days, yeah. and I came back to the United States because yeah. I didn't want to violate that. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so your first, you, your first time traveling out was, of your country yes, to the United and States, and then you you could make these I trips, landed. but you had to stay. <laughs> exactly. So I flew from Baghdad to Istanbul. Yeah. I stayed five days in Istanbul, and then I flew from there to, you know, my flight was to New York City. Yeah. Um, JFK, and then transit to Nashville. I stayed in Nashville um, with uh, Tamra in uh, near house for a couple of months. Yeah. And then I went to Murray to do wow. my... Um, I mean, you know, I studied and then I got my master's degree yeah. in TESOL. So what were some of your first impressions of America? Um, when I first came, actually, it was extremely hard for me. I, I, was, I was homesick, shocked, and first time in, in, the, in the West. Yeah. Everything was different. Yeah. Uh, the culture, people, food, street, everything. Um, even I couldn't speak English like that. Yeah. You know, it was very hard to communicate with people. I didn't understand many things, especially phrasal verbs. <laughs> you know, <laughs> phrasal verbs yeah. are the worst. Yeah. I mean, uh, there were there were a lot of um, um, misunderstanding, confusions. Um, yeah. I I was very um, alone. Yeah. Yeah. But um, in Kentucky, I got to know these wonderful people at the church. I made a lot of friends and, uh, you know, went out a little bit, bit by bit. I explored more about the, the culture. Mm -hmm. I became more um, familiar, you know, mm -hmm. and, and used to. So now I like it more. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just become accustomed once, once you stay here for... A period of time. Yeah. What was the hardest part of American life to get used to? Um, well, um, 
people maybe mm. uh, because uh, the way they think the way they talk the way they uh, it's, it was different uh, can you so, give an example well um, uh, time for example time here is very important uh, to be punctual to you know respect other people and then um, your interaction with people uh, that was a that's one thing I didn't I didn't know and then I learned that over time yeah just by uh, interacting with people that was did someone tell you for example, they were angry that you were late or <laughs> uh, sometimes yeah yeah um, that's also a cultural thing yeah um, and um, what else uh, people are busy and the culture you know is more individualistic mm -hmm. so I came from a very um, collectivism uh, culture where people they like to hang out to meet to to have dinner together you know maybe you know you experience this when yeah. you were abroad yeah so that was a very hard time for example sometimes I fell alone I wanted I, I called my friend out but he was busy he didn't have time for me yeah. or he had other stuff other schedules so that was the I think the hardest part for me um, was communicating with or getting along with people. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, food—it was a lot of it. Um, but uh, then I started cooking at home. That wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Um, other things were fine. The only thing, like I said, was getting to know or getting along with people. Yeah. Yeah. What is your favorite dish to cook? <laughs> um, I cook a lot, <laughs> a lot of stuff. I like. Um, I like different kind of soup, like lentil soup and white beans, um, yeah. rice, biryani. Uh, lentil biryani. soup, is it with um, cumin and lemon? Yes. yes so yes. it's like the, the Syrian soup. Exactly. Um, That's more Middle Eastern, so yeah, yeah. you find that in every Middle Eastern restaurant. It's yeah. so good. Yes, the yes, flavor yes. <laughs> is so strong. It's, um, it's traditional. People, they like it, and especially... Um, uh, it's good for stomach because it's not heavy. Not heavy yeah, and yeah. it's very nutritious. Yes, yes. What is it called uh, in... Would it be Arabic or Kurdish? Or does it have different names in, in both? The what? The, the lentil soup. What, what do you call it? Uh, we just call it lentil soup. Which is... Uh, in Kurdish? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we call it uh, nisk. Nisk? Yeah. Nisk. Oh, in, what in is it in Arabic? In Arabic, they call it Adas. Adas, okay. A-D-A-S, yeah. Okay. Yes. Nisk, yeah. Adas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now you're making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, very, very interesting. I, I cooked it for my family yeah, uh, yeah. on New Year's Eve, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's very good. Yeah. Very good. Okay, so can you tell me what it was like to get your citizenship what did you have to go through to accomplish well, that uh, once you become a permanent resident mm -hmm. uh, green card holder mm -hmm. uh, you stay here um, physically three years uh, then you 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 wait till you um, basically uh, you let's say three years is required mm -hmm. you can travel and come back but basically uh, from the day you become a green card holder till the day you apply for a citizenship uh, you need to complete the five years yeah staying in the country yeah or basically uh, you left and you came back but they need five years yeah so i stayed here for five years and then you apply it's very um easy process just you just write a um, form you download the form online and you fill out the form um, they have some requirements you submit let's say a copy of your um, green card you pay the fee but the fee was a little bit expensive it was almost a thousand dollar oh wow uh, you write a check cashier check yeah um, it costs a thousand dollars to yeah. become a citizen what, what's that for that's uh homeless security it's just a requirement actually that was for to become a citizen i also paid another thousand dollar when i become a green card holder wow plus vaccination the vaccination were very expensive one of them was three hundred dollars wow i don't remember but uh, the shots they were they, i had to do f five shots and I remember it cost me like twelve hundred. Yeah. Or yeah, close twelve hundred. So with the with the fee, 
uh, it was over $2,000 just, just to get the green card, plus the, the thousand for the uh, citizenship. Yeah. Yeah, so it's very costly. expensive. It's very expensive. Um, yeah, so you just submit all of the uh, paperwork, two pictures, check, um, uh, like I said, a copy of your green card. What else? The application form, the actual application form, it's like 20 pages. You need to answer yeah. those questions. Um, whatever you lift, all the addresses in different states, you need to basically um, submit that in, in writing. And then you send it to Homeland Security, which is in, I believe, uh, the main office is in um, uh, Nebraska. Okay. Yeah, I think that's the main office. Then um, they will send you a letter of notice that they, they have received your application. Then after, let's say, after a couple of weeks, they send you another letter to have your fingerprints taken, biometrics. Mm. It's also Chicago, so they, everything is clear the day, the time. You need to go and have your fingerprints taken. Mm. You don't ask them any questions. You just go for the fingerprinting. Then you wait another two weeks or a month. Uh, it depends on the, I mean, um, uh, the volume of the how many people they have applied. Right now, I think it's ha it's harder, yeah, uh, because people, you know, because of the, uh, you know, what happened with the Trump or the president. People, they are, um, let's say, in hurry to get it, so they are applying. Yeah, um, because many people. In the United States, they have green cards for many years, but they don't want to apply. Yeah, they like the idea of uh, staying as a permanent resident because they basically um, they don't. I don't know. I don't really understand. But maybe they don't pay more taxes, or uh, they don't have to serve in army one day if something happened. Um, so there are some regulations when you become a citizen, right? There are a lot of responsibilities. Yeah. So people, they have been living in this country for many years as a permanent resident, but now they have decided to apply. Yeah. So now it's very crowded, Homeland Security. Yeah. When I applied, it was a lot easier. Yeah. That was I applied in um, 2000, uh, basically 16. I got my citizenship almost a year ago. That was February 2016. Yeah. So like. Uh, two weeks from now or three weeks from now would be exactly a year. The anniversary. The anniversary. Ah. So, um, so that's it. And then they send you another letter for um, your interview, which was actually here, also in the downtown of Chicago. You go there. They um, they ask you some civics questions. They ask you they ask you um, basically ten questions in a row. Mm -hmm. If you know six of them. Then she stops asking you, and she says you passed. Wow. If you, let's say, you know two questions, but uh, the other two or the other three, you couldn't answer the questions, she keeps asking you till you know six gotcha. out of ten. Gotcha. If you, let's say, you knew five, then you failed. <laughs> but I knew six of them, the first six, and then she said, that's hey, fine. Yeah. Congratulations, yeah. 100%. Yes. Did you Thank study you. really hard for that? Well, they give you a CD uh, yeah. when you have your fingerprints taken. It's very easy. There are 100 questions. What, what's an example of the kind um, of question? About the Constitution, who wrote the Constitution, yeah. uh, the name of the presidents, 44, now 45 presidents. Um, let's say who was the first president and who uh, there are some questions about the civil war the Vietnam war the Korean uh, war so it's very nice and actually right now I teach that class at Truman College oh, that's fantastic that's See, great I teach that class yeah so Mike the class I teach right now at Truman College it's called um, EL civics yeah so it's an ESL plus the syllabus is like 50% ESL, language, grammar, listening, speaking, whatever. Yeah. The other 50% of the class, you need to do civics. Yeah. You know, you just give them handouts, you talk about uh, US government, Congress, Constitution, the uh, senators, uh, the process, the democracy, you know. Um, elections, it's very interesting. So, do, do you because feel most of the yeah. students, uh, city colleges, 
they are either green card holders or they are in the process of getting their citizenship. They, they, they take this class before the test. Yeah. So it's like you give them a very comprehensive, intensive course, yeah. and then they should be fine uh, passing the test, you know? Yeah. Even if they don't speak English, but they can still oral, because the, te the test is oral. Right. You don't write anything. The only thing also, um, besides the civics test during your citizenship, um, they, they want you to write and read in English. They just yeah. want to make sure you can write and you can read yeah. in English. So they give you something to write. Very funny. <laughs> Very simple question, you know. Um, like what? I don't really remember, but I think it was like... Um, uh, I think it was, what are the major parties? And I, and I told her orally, uh, Republicans and Democrats, she said, write it down. <laughs> so I wrote it down. So she just wanted to see the spelling and if you can write. Yeah. That was it. And wow. she gives you a, a very short paragraph and she says, read it out loud. That's it. Wow. And then uh, you are done. Then after that, they schedule you for the ceremony. Okay. That was a big day. Ah, because yeah. before that, it was only a test, nothing else. You just, right. She says you passed, and she says wait for another letter. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that day, um, all those people, they pass a test. I don't know, 185, whatever. They go to a very nice uh, hall. And someone comes, like a speaker, congratulates people, give them a lot of things, like books, CDs, brochures, you know. Wow. Um, they, picture, they take pictures. Um, I have pictures on my phone. Um, yeah. So uh, with a nice background that says, welcome to America, or citizenship, something like this. Um, yeah, I mean. How did you feel? Great, but I wished uh, like you or my family were with me. I was alone, yeah, as usual. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, most of the people, the family were there in the back of the of the, of the room. Um, was take, there a lot of pictures? Crying and some people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, they read your name, like you say Joe. You stand up, you go, you shake hands with them. They give you the certificate. It's just a piece of paper. Yeah, the certificate. Uh, they have your pictures on it and everything, all the information. They give you a card uh, for to register to vote. Yeah. Um, they give you a lot of gifts, you know, like an American flag, a small American flag, and um, candies. A lot of I don't know, but <laughs> things, you know. Yeah. Um, that's it. I mean. It wasn't. It wasn't very complicated. My actually, the complication was the asylum process. Yeah. Because that one, uh, that one, they needed a lot of recommendation letters yeah. when I applied. So what yeah. I did, I forgot to tell you. I, I contact my friends. Some of them were in Kurdistan and some of them were back here in the states. Yeah. Actually, I'm still in contact with them. One of them is um, Colonel. Um, Tracy, he's one of my best friends. Yeah, uh, Colonel Colonel Tracy. Yeah, in the military. Yeah, yeah. He he yeah. he, um, <laughs> he um, actually he works right on in, right now in Pentagon. Wow. He he invited me when I came here. He invited me. Can you imagine? He even paid for my <laughs> for my flight. I went to Virginia. I stayed with him with his family. Wow. So we went to Washington D.C. together. He showed me around. Wow. All the you know White House, the Pentagon. So we have a very good connection, and he wrote a very nice recommendation letter for me, a very strong recommendation letter. Yeah. One of them is in Oregon, uh, Portland. Uh, that's also Colonel Howard. He wrote a very nice letter. Um, I have like six letters from six different high-ranking American um, military officers. They wrote about my story. They knew what happened to me. They knew how I left Iraq. Yeah. They knew my affiliation with them and how I helped the kids, uh, orphans, and uh, people, uh, just normal people in Kurdistan. So uh, that was that was the hardest part, and uh, I wa I had a feeling that I could get the asylum, but at the same time, you have a little bit, you know. We are human. You are still worried because I needed to stay in this country. Let's say if they decline it, 
what what should you do? You need to go back yeah. or extend your student visa and pay more money for classes. Yeah. I, so when I got my asylum, I was relieved because you can work. They they send me work permit. You can um, have social security number. Yeah. Um, they give me um, a health insurance plan free for one year, wow. full cover. Wow. It was for one year. And um, yes, mm. I went through a lot of stuff in this country. Yeah. So, do you feel like the the process, all this experience, has changed you? A lot. Um, shaped my character uh, of who who I am right now. Uh, of who, course, you. Who were you before? Would you say? Uh, you have to describe yourself again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, very um, s- uh, someone who didn't have a lot of experience. Even though, well, I had quite a few uh, because uh, you know when I was in Iraq, uh, we flew with my family to Iranian border because Saddam Hussein tried. To you know, to use chemical weapons again. He used chemical weapons in 1988. He wanted to use it in 1990. So we were we were scared. We left. So we had a lot of um, experience, but still, the first time traveling and coming from far east to far west. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was uh, it was a very nice experience. Uh, I mean, experience. But yes, I mean, everything happened to me uh, happened for a reason. Mm-hmm. And um, I am very grateful. I am very thankful of God that he shows me the right way. So I learn from these lessons. And yeah. uh, um, I need to write a book about this. You need to. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about it. So uh, if you were to summarize down to just one sentence, just distill one sentence what did you learn from this experience um, what, what I, did God teach you well I I have learned that uh, life is like a roller coaster just like we say full of ups and downs mm-hmm. it's a journey mm-hmm. um, don't be afraid take it sometimes you go high sometimes you go very low mm-hmm. but that's the part of the, you know, part of the um, your journey, because you are traveling. Let's say you're going hiking. Sometimes you know you fall down. Sometimes. Uh, so, I, I like that idea that sometimes I go through a very difficult situation, and then all of a sudden, not one door but many doors open for me. Yeah. Right. So when I think about it, when I sit down, I think about it from the first day I came. Uh, although there were a lot of, you know, I mean, let's say difficulties, but at the same time there happened a lot of good times, I mean, good results. Now I am a U.S. citizen. Uh, I um, got my master's degree and I'm thinking of getting my Ph.D. I am a professor here. So many, many good things happened in my life. Yeah. Um, I got to see my family. Yeah. Um, now I can bring them over here. I have a you know good health, so I am thankful. That's that's enough. Yeah, um, that's enough. Um, yeah. So let me ask you um, what I ask everyone. Mm-hmm. You've already told an amazing travel story, but what would you say is your best travel story? Uh, recently, just in general, in, in your life, do you have a really good? story of travel, some travel that changed you, maybe? Well, United States, that was my first time ever. Right. I mean, that mm-hmm. was a great or big shift um, in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second, that was that was number one. The second one was when I went to Istanbul and meet my family. Mm. Because I stayed here for, uh, for four years um, alone, and I was like thirsty, it was like someone who's thirsty, and I was like that, uh, seeing my family. Yeah. So when I got my uh, green card and I could basically leave the United States and, and, and travel, 
I, uh, I invite my family to come to Istanbul because I couldn't go to Iraq. Yeah. One of the um, drawbacks of becoming a political asylee is that you cannot go back to your country with a green card. So it's not the status was not a refugee. My status was asylee. So it, it was very scary. So you cannot go back even if you feel safe. Yeah. So I asked my family to come to Turkey and meet them there. That yeah. was for me. That was the most. Uh, I mean. Um, interesting and very nice moment for me uh, when I when I met my mom, my father, my brother, my sisters, all of them in Istanbul. And we stayed like 16 days, yeah. a little bit over two weeks yeah. uh, together. Um, they were happy. It was a vacation for them, for me too, but... To see family. And we also, we explored the city. Um, so... Yeah. It sounds beautiful. So, um, as a last phase to this interview, I was hoping you could tell me about your Hajj. Is that what it's called? Hajj? Uh, no. It was Umrah. Umrah. What, what's the difference between Hajj and Umrah? Well, um, Umrah you can do it any time in the year. Okay. Hajj you do it uh, one time in a, in a specific time. Ah, so that's right. It's a specific moment in the year when people, people go. Yeah. yeah, people, they go there together. Uh, so. Okay. They have a specific date for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, you need to be there at the same time. I see. But Umrah, you can do it alone or, you know, any time. Yeah. Uh, that was, that's the only difference. Okay. And, and, and Hajj is a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, how would you translate the two into English, Hajj and Umrah? Well, um, I think they just call it the same, Umrah Okay. Hajj. Um, they don't have another vocabulary in English. Yeah. But basically, the idea is uh, this is one of the pillars of Islam. Yeah. Hajj. Um, you don't have to. It's not a must. But if you can afford it and you have the physical ability, you you can travel to Saudi Arabia to Mecca and perform Hajj once in your life. Once. Once. It's not like once a year or once a month. Just once in your lifetime. Yeah. And so you go to uh, Mecca and you wear a white, basically, uh, cloth, mm -hmm. uh, completely white. Mm -hmm. And um, before that, of course, you take a shower and you, you wear the white cloth. It's called ihram. Um, you can buy that anywhere, either here in Chicago or in Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. uh, it's only two pieces. Um, you wear them together, and uh, you go inside the mosque. It's called um, Haram Maki, uh, where the you know, people they gather and they go around seven times around Kaaba, mm -hmm. um, and that's actually that's the center of the earth. Yeah. Um, the Sud, the Mac Mecca is the center of the earth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so the reason people are going around, uh, not clockwise, but Counterclockwise is because um, of the um, uh, there are some I, I can't really understand, but there are some um, physical uh, reasons behind it. So once you once you do um, once you go around it seven times, you basically you empty all the negative energy in your body mm -hmm. um, because that's that's the center of the air. Um, yeah, I mean. You stay there as long as you want for a week, two, three. It's it's up to you. Yeah. Um, I stay in a very nice hotel, just maybe two blocks from from the mosque. Wow. Yeah, it was a five star hotel, very nice wow. and very uh, in, inexpensive. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I mean everything: the visa, the uh, flight, hotel, food, everything. Didn't cost me like two thousand dollars. Wow! Round trip flight, everything. Yeah. So, with staying there for eleven days in a nice hotel like this, so there are there are a lot of um, Indian people here in Chicago. Um, they have offices and special on Divan. Um, you apply and you can go. Wow! Yeah. Why did you decide to go? Uh, I needed to. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
I felt like someone is calling me to go there. Yeah. And uh, I felt great. I actually I went two times. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Was I this went one time. So the, the reason I asked is because right when we met. That was, was in 2013. Yeah. And then did. I went again in 2014. Okay. So we met in 2014, and you. So it was your second time. I think it was 13 when we met. Uh, maybe. It was the first time. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. you were glowing. You had just come back. Uh, yes. We were working together, and you yeah, just yeah. had this exact glow. I had seen you before, but something about you uh, made me say hello in the hall, and we yes, just started yes. talking, and you explained why yeah. you were so happy looking. And yeah. you had shaved your head, <laughs> which surprised me. Completely, maybe I asked. Completely, yeah. yeah. Well, that's part of the tradition. I mm. mean, you don't have to, mm. but um, it's better to shave it. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a great experience, first time, first time ever. A lot of people, they can't they can make it. Mm. So people, when they saw the picture, they were kind of jealous. Oh, I wish I was there. Yeah. And it's very nice of you that you could make it. You know, God bless you. You know, they pray for me. And you go there, you pray for people. Yeah. You, you pray for everybody. And, you just, when you come back, you are relieved completely. Uh, different person. Do you um, meet a lot of people along the way? Do you yes, talk to people? Yes, a yeah. lot of people. Um, when I was there, there were three millions. Yeah, exactly. Wow. wow. Um, uh, and, and people I, from different countries, different nationalities. Yeah. From all over the world. All over the world. And I imagine everyone is very open and happy and yes, talking yes. a lot. Um, people are happy and, you know, we go there. Um, the idea of the cloth, the white cloth, is symbolizes uh, purity mm -hmm. and also uh, equality. Yeah. So everybody there, either you are rich, poor, you know, um, high-ranking, middle class, whoever, even, yeah. the, even the president, they are wearing the same. And it reminds you of heaven, that people are the same, mm -hmm. are equal. Mm -hmm. um, you need to do the same thing going around seven times. It doesn't matter who you are. And uh, ladies, women, so everything is equal. So when you go there, you just feel relieved, uh, no pressure, very nice feeling. I, I don't know how can I explain it, but um, that's the thing. When you, when you come back here to live and you see different uh, levels, you know, it just makes you sick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there, no, it's very different. Even if I go 10 times, I don't say no. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you bring back from that experience to here? I mean, does it change your life um, here? Love, compassion, helping mm -hmm. others, and uh, being more patient um, mm -hmm. reminds you of heaven, of who you are, a good person. and. It teaches you a lot of stuff. Yeah. A lot of stuff. Um, I think I wish uh, you could go there and, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and experience that by yourself. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, we in Christian faith don't have yeah. that kind of pilgrimage anymore. You know, yeah. there are special places we can go, but. The belief read, uh, in a purification like that doesn't really I read quite a book exist. Of, uh, Paulo Coelho. Yeah, yeah. The name of the book is Pilgrimage. Have you read that? I've read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Talks about um, in Spain. In Spain. Yeah. You know, people they used to uh, to go actually just like Muslims. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know right now people they practice that or no. But people I go, think, but it has a different meaning. I think it's yeah. the Camino de Santiago. Santiago. Yeah. I met some pilgrims. This summer in Europe, yeah. who were walking there. Yeah, very nice. The same on the same path. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's beautiful. What's okay? So last question. What's the what's some beautiful little thing that happened to you in Mecca? Yeah, just some beautiful moment that you remember. Uh, something small. Something small to remember. Uh, let me see. You mean when I was there? Yeah, yeah. Um, or, or on the way, or on the way back, or... Yeah, actually, uh, <laughs> that was, um, I was thinking to send gift to my family, mm -hmm. and uh, all of a sudden I met a Kurdish guy. Mm -hmm. I recognized him by his, you know, uh, Kurdish uh, uniform. Yeah. So I told him hello in Kurdish, Choni, which means, 
and then he replied back. So you know, we got we talked a lot of it. Um, then this person, he has a company in Kurdistan. He brings people. Ah. So he brings people like a you know like a guide. Yeah. Uh, give them a tour, and then he flies back with them, and he just makes a lot of money. Yeah. And you know, I told him. I have some <laughs> gifts for my family, and he was willing to take it with him. You know, so that was a very nice moment. I was um, I was thinking, how can I send them? Either go back to to the United States, send them by post office, or something. That was something um, happened out of a blue, all of a sudden. Thank you so much. Hello. You are most welcome. Beautiful most stories. Welcome. You've had a, a beautiful life. I hope you do write a book. Thank you. So. I will. <laughs> I will. Um, and thank you for speaking English. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. I can't thank Haval enough for coming to my country, for enriching my understanding of education, for learning my language, for being my friend, and for sharing his story with you. Unfortunately, Kiva does not operate in Iraq. So we're going to take a break this week from promoting Kiva. Though, if you have $25 you could lend to a small business that is having trouble raising capital, do please go check them out at kiva.org, K-I-V-A.org. That's a loan. You'll get it back. Instead, I want you to think about preemptive love this week. Preemptive love goes into conflict zones where other NGOs won't or can't, and they provide relief in the name of love. You can read more about their work and their story on their website, preemptivelove.org. Thanks to my wife's fundraising, my entire extended family just came together to give two sheep to a refugee family in Iraq this past week. You and I can do the same. So we started another fundraiser. A modest one. Let's see if we can get to $50. Just $50. Go to preemptivelove.org slash like someone who is thirsty to donate. That's the title of this episode. And at our webpage, you can find a link to go there and contribute to this very modest fund. All right. That's it for this week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Dana Boulay for her music. Thank you to Donald Trump for pushing me to care more about others than I ever have in my life. And thank you for listening.